What's good, church? We're starting our series, White Noise, today. It's going to be a three-week series helping us see the enemies that we are facing each and every week. And the enemies that we face are a lot like white noise. Um, I'm sure you know what white noise is. White noise is used to drown out other sounds. And it's called white noise because white refers to like how white light works. Same thing, white light, white noise. So like white light is made up of different colors and frequencies. Same thing goes with white noise. It's made up of all the different frequencies of sound. So if you've ever turned on the bathroom fan because someone is snoring or maybe you turn on the noise machine for your baby to sleep, the reason why we do that is when that white noise is going, it's like playing 20,000 voices. And so it's really hard to pick up the snoring. It's really hard to pick up adults talking in the other room. So over the next three weeks, we all have three white noises that attempt to drown out God's voice. And God speaks to us. We can hear God's voice in, in one of different ways. One, reading his word, praying, fasting, having conversations with other believers. Those are ways we hear God speaking to us. Now, we're going to learn that these three white noises are full of believable lies. So, thinking of lies and speaking of lies, there have been some really big ones in history. The one of the first ones I think about is the 1919 World Series when eight baseball players try to throw the series. Can you believe that? And then, how about the greatest show on earth? Yeah, Barnum, he leased, leased the life of an elderly black woman claiming that she was George Washington's nurse and she was 161 years old. How about the Ponzi scheme? In 1920, Ponzi tricked thousands of New England residents into investing into a scheme. He promised investors that they would see a 50% return in just three months. At the height of his huge scam, he raked in $250,000 a day. And in modern, in modern money and currency, that's $3 million. How about Nazi propaganda? We can also include Chinese propaganda. How about Cuban Missile Crisis and the World of Worlds broadcast? The War of Worlds broadcast. Now, what are some believable lies in our culture today? How about pyramid schemes? I'm not promoting this show, but maybe this might make the point. So, Phil recruited me to sell these cards, and now I am recruiting you. Who is this guy again? Don't worry about Phil. He drives a Corvette. He is doing just fine. Okay. Calling cards are the wave of the future. These things sell themselves. Who uses calling cards anyway? You know what? That's a nice attitude, Ryan. I'm just helping you invest in your future, my friend. It sounds like a get-rich-quick scheme. Yes. Thank you. You will get rich quick. We all will. Can you lose a lot of money on that other investment, the one from the email? You know what, Toby? When the son of the deposed king of Nigeria emails you directly asking for help, you help. All right, so raise your hand if you want to get rich. All right. No, um, how is this not a pyramid scheme? All right, let me explain again. <laughs> Phil has recruited me and another guy. Now, we are getting three people each the more people that get involved, the more people who are investing, the more money we're all going to make. It's not a pyramid scheme. It is a, it's not even a scheme per se. It's... I have to go. 
go make a call. How about the things that politicians say? How about news outlets and the things that they report? How about social media, consumer ads, clickbait? There's a lot of believable things. So what has been a lie that you believed? What has been a lie that you've believed? As we look at these three white noises, we're going to see that they are our enemy. And there is a war. There is a war for your soul and for your peace. There's a war for our soul and our peace. And in our American culture, man, we have a low comfort level with military metaphors um, when it comes to faith. Instead, we'd rather see faith as like a journey with some ups and downs. And yes, in a sense it is, but it's also a war. It's also a war. In fact, throughout the New Testament, Paul, when he writes, he refers to our faith as a war against three distinct enemies, the devil, the flesh, our sin nature, and the world. Notice what he writes. He says, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He also writes, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And he also wrote, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. So when it comes to the three enemies, our culture has a, I would say they have a hard time understanding where we're coming from. And I would say they have a tendency to mock a little bit too. How many skits have we seen about the devil? It's either a myth or a creature with a long pointy red tail and horns and someone that can easily be fought against. And then I've also seen my friends and my family who the jury's still out on Christ for them. And when we talk about our sin nature, they live in a culture, and we live in an American culture, where feeling good means it must be good. And then also, when we talk about the world, and I know some of my friends, they think that it's like me being a street preacher, talking about the end of the world, talking about the end of the planet, and it's either you turn or you burn. But I would say that these three white noises, our three enemies, they all start with lies. It all starts with lies. What we're dealing with are lies. It's a war of lies for our souls and for our peace. I like what John Mark Comer, how he explains how all three enemies work together in their war against us. You have deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in the sinful culture. So you have the devil, the flesh, and the world all sort of teaming together, all sort of playing off each other. So the devil tempts us with deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful culture. And we're going to learn a strategy against all three enemies over the next couple of weeks. Now here's the deal. This strategy is not popular in our American culture. Do you know for the first time in American history, those who claim to be Christian are in the minority. Yeah, did you know that those who attend church, it's less than 50% of the American population. That's the first time in history. So I know people, maybe like you, you have a hard time having a conversation with those who see the world differently than you. Maybe for you, it's you're almost, not maybe it's shame, but almost like you don't want to bring it up that you went to church. I understand. 
But just because it's not popular doesn't mean it's not necessary. And I believe being together, worshiping together, learning together is necessary because we have three enemies that are looking at waging war against our soul and against our peace with God. Okay, so let's look at our first enemy, the devil. The reason why we believe there's a devil is because Jesus taught that there was a devil. And listen, anything that Jesus says pretty much goes. I mean, this is someone who claimed that they were going to die and come back from the dead, and he pulled it off. I'm going to believe anything that he says. So let me sort of build up what's happening in our story. So we're going to be in John 8. John 8. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, fourth book in the New Testament. So Jesus is in a conversation with the religious leaders. And for a while there, his message has been, I want you to follow me and I will set you free. That's been his message. The religious leaders don't like it. So they are planning to kill him. Now, here's what's so interesting. They have been praying for a Messiah to set them free from Roman oppression. But they don't think Jesus is the guy. And so they are planning to kill him. And they talk about Jesus, we're free. We're, we're descendants of Abraham, and God is like a father to us, so we are free. Jesus says, if God were your father, you would love me, because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. See, they had their mind made up about Jesus. They did not think Jesus was the Messiah that they had hoped for, that they had prayed for. And they didn't think they needed to be free the way that he wanted them to be free. See, Jesus talked about being free from sin, and they did not think they needed to be free from sin. They thought they needed to be free from Roman oppression. So they go ahead and they talk about how God is like their father, how Abraham is like their father. And Jesus is going to make a very clear point. God and Abraham are not trying to kill me. If they were here, if Abraham was here today, he would not try to kill me. Instead, you're imitating your father, your real father. And notice what he says. You are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the things he does. For he was a murderer from the beginning. He always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So not only is lying something that he does, but he is a liar. So Jesus puts to death any debate on whether or not there's a devil. The old Diabolos is real. Jesus says that the devil is real. And there have been t titles throughout the Bible, uh, throughout the New Testament specifically, to describe Satan. Satan the evil one, the tempter, the destroyer, the accuser, the deceiver, the great dragon, and the ancient serpent. And Jesus is clear that not only is he real, but he is a powerful ruler of this world. Notice, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. He says, I don't have much time, more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world, Satan, approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me. So the world will, will know that I love the Father. He's talking about when he's going to die. 
See, throughout the scriptures, we learn a little bit more about the devil. We learn that he was created by God. We learn that he does anything that he can to tempt us, to get us to distrust God and to trust ourselves. He was at one time part of God's divine counsel. Some would even say that he was heaven's worship leader. But then Jesus came. And Jesus came for two reasons. One, to destroy the devil's works. And number two, to set humanity free. Notice what John writes. See, Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. Notice, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And not only did he come to destroy the works of the devil, but he came to set you and me free. You are truly my disciples, says Jesus, if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know how Jesus defeated the devil when he was here? He, Remember in the wilderness for 40 days, he defeated the devil. He defeated the devil through his teaching and the exorcism, and he defeated the devil through his death and resurrection. I love what Paul writes. He says, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities Yes, Satan and his dominions. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The devil, because he is defeated, is like a wounded animal. Wounded animals, they're dangerous. And roaming the earth as a roaring lion. Notice what Peter says. Peter Wrote this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Guys, before, as John writes in Revelation, that he's going to be thrown in a lake of fire. There is a war. There is a war in the meantime for your soul and for your peace with God. And the devil is very much in the evil in this culture. His strategy is through lies. You have truth and you have lies. Truth is what um, I would say reality that's determined by God. That's truth. Reality determined by God. You have lies and they're ideas that are out of step with God. Truth is reality. Lies are ideas that we come up with that are out of step with God. Truth, reality determined by God. Lies. Ideas that we come up with that are out of step with God. Notice what John Mark Comer writes. He says, the writers of the Bible didn't view things like how we should spend our money, who we sleep with, or even the resurrection of Jesus from the dead as opinion or conjecture. They viewed them as reality. Remember what we said about reality is it's determined by God. See, this is one of the starkest differences between the gospel of Jesus and other major world religions. More than any other form of spirituality, the New Testament is based on events in history. The Bible is full of times and dates, names and places. The four Gospels are not mythology, but history. So going back to what Jesus said about the devil being a liar. He is a master manipulator. And he's very effective with telling us believable lies. There's going to be some truth to the lies that he tells you. There, there will be. There will be lies that he tells you that are so believable you're tempted to believe. 
the one over the last, I would say, 25 years of ministry, the one that I've heard the most has been this. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happy. The devil whispers that into our ears. And I can't tell you the the countless conversations I've had with men and women who've said goodbye to their spouse, who've said goodbye to their family because they they thought and then they believed that they deserved to be happy. I've sat down and talked with teenagers who threw away all their potential for drugs because they heard that they deserved to be happy and they believed it. I've seen men choose work over their kids because they heard the whisper that they deserve to be happy. Before we begin to judge other people, before we think about other people in our minds, we ought to look at ourselves because, listen, we sin. You and me, we sin because we believe a lie that promises us that we are going to be happy. We believe a lie that, 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 that promises to make us happy. And through the lies, the devil tries to get us to distrust God and to trust ourselves. Guys, this has happened from the very beginning. His strategy hasn't changed. Think back in Genesis 3. Just as the devil got Eve alone, so there was no other voice but his, he gets us alone and drowns out God's voice. Just as the devil lied to Eve to create doubt about God and his attentions with that one rule, he gets us to believe a lie that creates doubt that God has our best interest in mind. Did you know that it's easier to manipulate when you're alone and when you're away from community? Think about it. Eve was by herself. She was alone. Her husband was not around. See, when we're isolated like Eve, we're easier to fool. Please be advised that just because you're on social media and you're connected to like a billion friends does not mean that you're connected. When we walk away from God, when we walk away from community, we are easily fooled in believing a lie. Our best strategy against the devil comes actually from Jesus. And who went head to head with the devil in the desert and he came out victorious because he did three things extremely well. Now notice the differences between Jesus and Adam. Jesus was in the desert and Adam was in the garden. Jesus was fasting, Adam was eating, Jesus was in community with his father, and Adam was isolated from God. In both cases, the devil attacked their identity to create doubt, and then he also manipulated God's word. And Jesus did three things that we must do as we are faced with lies. So Jesus prayed, he fasted, and he knew and used scripture. So let's look at praying. Praying deepens our trust of God. When the devil lies about God's wisdom and love, we're able to fight back because we trust God. We know that the greatest act was provided at the cross when God loved us so much that he sent his son to die in our place. No other religion can say that. 
fasting. Fasting deepens our hunger to be more aligned with God. And so when the devil lies to get us isolated from God through doubt, we're able to fight back because what we're when we what we do when we fast is we are saying, God, I'm all in. I need to desire the things that you desire. And so what we do is we say no to our appetite. And we open it up to receive what God wants us to receive. And when we do that, we're able to get to know who he is. And then knowing and using scripture deepens our understanding of who God is and who we are. We get to know our identity. So when the devil lies about who God is and who we are, we're able to fight back because we can quote scripture and say, no, no, this is who I am. I'm forgiven. I don't have to go through shame. I have not only been forgiven, but I am set free. I'm a son or daughter of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. This is who I am. I'm loved. Never abandon. That's who I am. That's my identity. I believe these are the three ways that we can fight back against the strategy of the devil. We pray, we fast, and we know and use Scripture. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to learn how Jesus was able to defeat the devil. Father, as we are facing lies each and every day, I pray that you will give us the strength to trust you, that we are making ourselves available. We're putting ourselves in front of your word. We're praying. Maybe for some of us, we're fasting. We are getting to know you deeper and with more meaning. I ask that you will help us to have the discipline, to pray, to fast, and to spend time knowing and then using your word. Father, for those who are yet convinced that Jesus died and rose again, and through his death and resurrection, we were able to be set free, I ask that you will reveal yourself to them. Let them know that it is the best decision they'll ever make, and that is following you. So Jesus, allow us to come to you with a lot of humility. Allow us to listen to you, to trust you, and follow you. Make us strong. In Jesus' name, amen.